Our reading today is 1 Corinthians 1 through 17. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sothenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given to you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you are enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers, what I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus, but beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. I think we've got a, a great passage this morning, and over the next couple of weeks we're going to be sharing that passage and reading a little more in, in 1 Corinthians but this subject of unity, I think, is a really big one. In fact, I want to talk about five ways we are united that this passage touches on. Don't be too alarmed. I know I've said five. Normally we have three points and I struggle not to go over time then. We're just going to move quickly this morning and touch upon these things lightly. So unity in Christ, unity in baptism, Unity in thinking, unity in calling, and unity in our purpose. And if you want a sermon title this morning, we all know that those who take sermon notes go to heaven on the fast track pass. Uh, let me just encourage you to be taking notes. But as we jump into these things, try and stay with me because we're going to move quickly this morning. So first of all, unity in Christ. Paul starts out, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there is no other name that is greater than Jesus Christ. You know, that really is our rallying call as Christians. Jesus is our hope for glory. These people are talking and they're beginning to get confused because they're following imperfect people. You see, ultimately, we all need to follow Christ. If we don't follow Christ, who are we following? You might look around the church, you might look at our leaders and say, 
Oh, I follow Les, I follow Barbara, I follow Joel, I follow Shelby, whoever. But ultimately, that person themselves is following Christ. So who better can you follow than Christ himself? There are a couple of accounts in Scripture where someone says, follow me as I follow Christ. And I think, wow, that is, that is a challenge. <laughs> I don't want to say that to you. I want to say, follow Christ. I want to say to you, follow Christ. You see, we need to follow Christ because imperfect people, imperfect people following a perfect savior can only do their best. But the author and the perfecter, the author and finisher of our faith is Jesus Christ, our Lord. You want to know how to live? You want to know what to do? You want to know how to bring up your children? You want to know what job to take, what house to buy, what you're supposed to do with your life? Start in the word of God and look for Jesus. Secondly, I think what's happening here in uniting around Christ is they're overcoming tribalism and forming a team that is centered on one star player. You see, church has always been about being team. It's always been about being a team with one another, working in unity to establish Christ's kingdom. You can't do church by yourself. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I might be dancing around it a little bit this morning because I know that we've been in a strange place this past year and a half. For a year and a half, especially those first few months where we physically couldn't meet. It was illegal to meet. What a thing. If it had been because of anything other than coronavirus, we probably would have met anyway. I mean, if it's good enough for the persecuted church, I think it would have been good enough for us because the name above every other name is Jesus Christ our Lord. But due to truly world-changing, unique set of circumstances, we found ourselves in a place where online was the best we had to offer. And so that's what we did. And that school of thought has brought us to this point, and now we need to regather. We need to regather. And don't mishear me, I'm not saying that we're going to do it with reckless abandon and wild stupidity. In fact, far from it. You know, we're still not singing in the room. We're looking forward to that point coming back. We're wondering if it's going to be the 21st of June. Please, Lord Jesus, let it be the 21st of June. We're sitting apart from one another. It's funny for me to be trying to persuade you to be here in the room so that we can be together. And then you're going to find yourself sat roughly two meters away from anyone. But being in the room, being together, coming together, meeting that call on our lives to come together, to be friends, to be family, to be the team that Jesus is leading. That is such a wonderful thing. And there's no room for any star players. Jesus is the only star player on the team. And so we unite around Jesus. We come together around him. We want to gather because in gathering we know that we're obeying his commands. And we know that when we come together, when we're united, when we can see one another, something special happens. It's not just friendship, it's fellowship. And one of these weeks we'll spend some time really digging into what that means, but there's something 
unique. I think there's a supernatural element to when we come together as God's people. I wonder if it isn't the little piece of the Holy Spirit that we each carry in our hearts when he comes and makes a home in our hearts in our lives. Just rubbing alongside one another, being reflected back to one another, we see a little bit more of God's heart. And so often the church falls into tribalism. We fall into teams that aren't Christ's team. We start building things for ourselves. One says, oh, I really like this. Another says, I really like that. I mean, it starts here in this passage and you could start labeling denominations before you start thinking too hard about this, couldn't you? And that's why we have to be Christians before anything else. Christ first, Christ first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. You see, the cross of Christ, his death and resurrection, that is our uniting point. That is the moment throughout all of time and history. That is the high point, not just in this sermon, this message, but every message. Christ first, our hope of glory. Next, they start talking about baptism. And if you know your early church history, you know how much of a contentious issue baptism became. In fact, you still have churches today that are bickering over the issue of baptism. In a Baptist church, perhaps it seems a little unusual to be talking about how some people get a bit hung up on baptism. We certainly have. You see, there are different schools of thought, different theologies of baptism, but ultimately, this passage is saying, you know the baptism that really counts? It's the baptism of Christ. It's the baptism of grace. It's about joining that family and set aside everything else for the sake of knowing Christ. You don't want Joel's baptism. You don't want the Stone Baptist versus the Ainsford Baptist baptism. You don't want Paul and Paul's baptism. You don't want Apollos' baptism. You want the baptism of Christ Jesus, our Lord. You know, there's far more unity in the word of God than there is in the life of the church. We need to get back to Jesus. You see, baptism, I, I believe, truly was meant to be a mark of unity. I think it's about us entering the family of God I think when we choose Christ, when we give our life to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and makes a home in our hearts. That's our first step. And our next step in the the road of obedience is being baptized, trusting God, choosing his ways. In fact, I've even spoken to people who seem to think that baptism is the final step. They think once they've been baptized, they've completed Christianity. And, And that isn't it either. You see, this act of obedience, this act of repentance, this act of grace is our confession that Jesus Christ is Lord. You see, you have to say that with your mouth and believe it in your heart, and that's when you know you've given your life to Jesus. But in being baptized, you get to publicly acknowledge that. You get to practice obeying Christ. I know obedience isn't a particularly popular thought these days. But it's our highest Christian confession when we come together, when we're baptized into the fellowship of believers. 
when we recognize Christ as our saviour and our hope. You see, we have to have this basic thinking in place. And forgive me if you were hoping for some deep, high-minded theology in relation to unity and Christ, but I think what we're losing as a church, as a people in this age, what we're losing is some of the simplicity of faith. And I'm not saying that we don't want good teaching, we don't want sound teaching, we don't want to work harder and think deeply about these things. But my fear is that we are losing sight of these basic, simple truths. That Jesus Christ is Lord. That Jesus Christ is sufficient. That as we try and theologize our experience, we lose sight of the supernatural. That signs and wonders follow simple faith and obedience. For other parts of the church, I feel like they're chasing signs and wonders. They're chasing signs of God in their midst while not practicing simple obedience and faith. So on one hand, we've got people chasing signs and wonders. On the other, we've got people going so deep into the word of God, they're forgetting that signs and wonders continue to happen today. And that all we need to do is put Jesus first. Jesus first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. You see, Christ is our rallying call. It's the call to the saved. It's the word on our lips, the name of Christ. It's the name by which we are saved. And just as we're saved each and every day, as we call upon the name of the Lord each and every day, As we wake up, our grace is new every morning as we call on the name of the Lord and we say, Christ, have mercy. As we call on the name of God and we say, who is our saviour? Jesus Christ, our Lord. And as we have moments of joy, we give thanks and we say, to God be the glory. We need more of Christ in our thinking We need to recognize that that actually so much, so much of what we're doing, it isn't core. It isn't core. You see, the things that are core, and in theology we have these words we talk about, we talk about what is dogma, what is doctrine, and what is theology. And salvation by grace through faith, I think that is the central piece of faith. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Who are we following? Jesus. Who's sufficient? Jesus. What do we need more of in our lives? Jesus. Who's the captain of our team? Jesus. Who are we following after? Jesus. Whose baptism do we want? Jesus. Who are we going to follow? Jesus. Because when we're all following the same person, when we're all headed in the same direction, we find that we have unity through faith in grace. We recognize that no other name will do. No other name. 
We recognize our calling just as Christ called us to follow him. We get to call on his name. It's so easy to read a passage like this. I find time and again I'm reading the Bible and I think, how have these people got it wrong again? How do they not get this? How are they so stupid? And then something comes along, some great challenge strikes, something comes up in my life and I start trying to work out how to fix it rather than calling on the name of Jesus. A problem arises and I think, who can I ask? Oh, I'll ask Les and Barbara. Oh, I wonder if Shelby knows this one. Oh, I bet Jackie and Dave could help. <laughs> and, and before I know it, I'm hoping in somebody else. You see, just as Christ has called us, so too do we call on Christ. I think that's a great definition for what prayer is. What does prayer look like? Well, it's calling on the name of Christ. You call on him when things are good. You call on him when things are bad. You trust in the power of the Holy Spirit at work, alive in your heart. When you unite yourself with Christ, when you live out his way, You open the word of God and you say, how can I more perfectly follow Christ so that I can know and experience more of him at work in my life because I want to put Christ first. How can we build a more united church? How can we have deeper relationship? How can we have better structures? Well, we humble ourselves and we call on the name of Christ. You know, I think that's one of the main challenges I see in this passage. I see it again and again in the life of our church, in the life of every church, in my life even. How quickly do we think we know the answers? How quickly do we think, oh, I can work that out? And just as these people are being challenged because they're saying, oh, I'm following such and such, they've got it right. We need to humble ourselves. We need to humble ourselves. Because only by humbling ourselves can we call on God and ask for the help that we need. You see, these quarrels that they're having would fade away so quickly if they humbled themselves. They got down on their knees, they prayed, they sought the Lord, and they found his wisdom, his unity. I passionately believe that one of the great works of the Holy Spirit is to bring unity amongst the church. People have joked that where you have three Baptists, you've got four opinions on what you should do. People sometimes joke about the way Baptist churches run, this idea of all of the believers coming together and trying to work out what the right thing to do is. The only way that works is when we set aside ourselves and we trust in Christ. In fact, some of the worst situations I've observed, the messiest situations I've observed in church life are when people don't do that. When we think we know best, when we say this is a hill I'm prepared to die on, And it's not one that Christ has died on before us. 
And these people are feuding, they're bickering, they're, they're trying to work out what is right and what is good. And time and again, the people of God start thinking for themselves what is right and good. They decide amongst themselves what is good. And time and again, they fall short of God's glory. Lastly, unity in our purpose. What are we uniting to do? You see, it's all well and good to say, well, we're going to be united in Christ. I mean, you've got to be united in Christ or I'd suggest you're not a Christian. If it doesn't go Christ first, you've probably not got Christ at the center. You're probably a tennis club, a golf club, a fitness club, a a meditation club, a, a whatever else you're doing club, but you're not a church. You see, it has to start with Christ, otherwise you're not a church. And as we think about our purpose, we know that we need to have Christ first. The gold standard for unity is choosing to follow Christ and being baptized in the name of Christ. It's finding correct thinking, what is the dogma, what is the core of who we are as believers. If we can get the core right, everything else is secondary and we can discuss, we can disagree. But those things aren't going to detract from our purpose. And we recognize that our purpose is shaped by our calling. We're called to be the children of God, called to be part of the family of God, called to not fall out with one another, but to recognize our calling, our purpose. Lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So what's our purpose? Our purpose is to lift up the name of Christ. If you look at this passage, it uses the word preach. And I think actually we think of preaching as what I'm doing right now, don't we? We think of this as preaching. But actually, I think every one of us has an opportunity to preach every single week. Every time you have a conversation with someone and you've got the opportunity to point them to Christ, you've got the opportunity to preach. Every time somebody does something wrong to you and you choose the way of forgiveness, you've got the opportunity to preach. Every time there is any opportunity for you to respond to any action, any situation, so long as you acknowledge God, you give him the glory and you act like Christ, you've got the opportunity to preach. Sometimes people in the Christian world used to talk about, let your life speak for Christ. You know, this whole idea of let your life be a testament to Christ. Preach Christ and if need be, use words people used to say. And I think you always have to use the words. You always have to give God the glory. Because by giving God the glory, that's when you're preaching. But any time that you follow Christ and you give God the glory, you've got an opportunity to proclaim the name of Jesus in a situation, to point somebody in faith to Jesus. And in doing so, you point them towards hope. It doesn't have to be complicated. You point them towards hope. You point them towards Jesus, his death, his resurrection. His grace that's sufficient for whatever their situation is. Hope for tomorrow. Framing a perspective of hope.
creating a perspective shaped in the light of Christ. Helping them understand what winning really looks like. Jesus is the win. Faith is the tool. Grace is the model. Abundant life is the promise. Joy is our strength. And unity is our mindset. What's our purpose? Our purpose is to know Christ, to make Christ known. It's hard to do that from home. It's hard to do that alone. It's hard to do that generally. You need encouragement. You need a team. If we're going to build something, let's build it together. Let's build a family of faith. Let's build a church. Let's do what Jesus has asked us to do. Let's put Christ first and let's say, here I am. Use me. Let's remember that it starts with Christ. Let's find true unity. Let's find unity in our thinking, unity in our calling, unity in our purpose. And let's be church with one another. We don't want to just do life. We want to be the church. We want to encourage one another, walk closely with one another, and trust Jesus. Radically, wildly, hopefully. Perhaps you'd let me wrap up with a a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask that by the power of your Spirit you would keep uniting yourself with us and us with one another. Father, as we find unity with you, may we find wisdom and grace. And as we are more united as your people, we pray that you'd help us to find encouragement, love, and a little bit more of your heart. We thank you that you've called us to be your family, brothers and sisters with one another. Help us to unite ourselves in your name for your purposes more fully. Amen.